Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as MMA fighter Sean Loeffler joins us for a wild interview about the early days of mixed martial arts, including going from living in his car to a janitorial closet to keep the dream of fighting alive. The tough and expensive climb to become a top-tier MMA fighter? Circus mud attacks? Sunflowers? And what's my degree? BTDT, baby. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dallas podcast begins now. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas podcast, episode 166. Holy smokes. This is number four of our four show cluster this month, all for our friends at MyBookie. Don't get used to it. We're not going to do this too often. Unless you donate just, like crazy all of a sudden. Right. But these guys. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, you're going to get four episodes as a freebie. Thanks to the folks at MyBookie who are sponsoring this for and asking for, you know, in addition to the classic two per month, asking for two extra. So here we go saying thank you to those folks who make it possible. Four episodes brought to you by MyBookie. You know, it's going to be football season again, and uh, I may have to play some action somewhere. Whatever am I to do? What if, I, what if my local bookie is not the one to be trusted and I need somebody to help me? Get my gambling. Yes, order. the old days of gambling with some shady character on a street corner are gone. The magic on the internet has made it so that you do not have to do such things. <laughs> and you don't have to be in Vegas either. You can do it all online. What? So these folks at MyBookie are offer a whole bunch of options regarding football gambling. And NFL season is coming up, so here you go. My bookie's not just football, though. Baseball, NCAA football, tennis, golf, MMA, boxing, soccer, motorsports. You can pretty much gamble on anything. Sweet. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, so you can double your first deposit. Use promo code. Rich, you want to give us the promo code? Taoist. T-A-O-I-S-T. To activate the offer. So visit MyBookie online today. That's M-I-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code DAOIST when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Well, thanks to these guys for these four episodes in a row. Also, thank you to our usual sweet folks keeping the lights on. Number one being Onnit, who has been with us forever, and they are awesome. I was just chewing on an Onnit Oat Mega Bar Ooh. that kept me quite happy when I need a snack. Uh, their elk bars are amazing. Speaking of snacks, never mind all the supplement. Yesterday, actually, I was in a particularly foggy brain day and I went for Alpha Brain, which is always a rather pleasant option, especially for me because I don't drink coffee that much. Occasionally, occasionally, but not that much. So Alpha Brain was fun. Also, big shout out to grasslandbeef.com. There's Hell a prize waiting yeah. in the freezer for Mr. Rich Evers. Move There's over. steak coming over for you. So that's the one you already had, right? It's fairly awesome. Really awesome. I think these are, it's a little bit different kind of thing. We had the New York strips last time, which were delightful. That grassland beef, quite tasty. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, those guys are awesome. So if you guys do eat, beef and you go for high quality grass-fed all the good stuff grass-fed makes a big difference it isn't it really thing. does i've been learning a lot about corn on feedlots and yeah nasty nobody needs that no so check these guys out they are they have been super sweet to us so please check them out speaking of coffee while i am not a huge coffee drinker so i do appreciate when this guy sent us some snowroast.com 
It's not all star suites. Again, they are listeners. They set up their own little coffee enterprise. High quality suite. The code is TAO, T-A-O, the number 18, for a discount. They Check roast them it. Out. They cool it. They package it. They put it online. First come, first serve. Flash out the door. Sweet guys. And again, if you buy coffee from anybody, might as well check them, right? Absolutely. They support us. And last but not least, shout out to NeverTapGear, nevertapgear.com. They produce both uh, knee braces for avoid injuries while working out, some the awesome rush guard designed by Savannah, and other good stuff, including a great jujitsu journal that I shall talk about in upcoming episodes. Of course, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. And having said all that, let's get the episode rolling. So, ladies and gentlemen, here today we have Mr. Sean Loeffler. Check you out, man. How After are you? good. How are you? It's good. It's good to see you again, man. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a long time, and the first time you get to see this crazy place out here. Gorgeous. It's yeah. immaculate out here. You get the good timing when it's just rained, so everything is green and beautiful now. It's, it's the time of the year when the good stuff is out. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when I came into the yard... It's not not sounding corny, but I mean everything's blooming right now. Yep. So I walk into the yard and whoa, there's two lizards that are hanging out on a porch, and you're showing me a, a 250 year old tree, you know, quarter century or you know, I mean it's quarter yeah. what quarter millennium, millennium, right? That's crazy. Quarter millennial here tree, millennium tree, and then there's butterflies flying around me, and I'm like, I, yeah, I was kind of in awe. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I even told you. I was sitting there just kind of leaning on the, the fence, enjoying the sun, looking at those purple flowers in the canyon. And I was like, I, I fucked up. Can I say fucked up? You can say anything <laughs> I, you want. I was like, I fucked up. Man, I, you know, I got my puppy Great Dane and I was like, I, there's no way I can bring it to LA. You know, I'm like, I have no problem putting him in the back of my SUV. I can lay the seats down. And then I look and I was like, oh, I, I really should apologize to him and be like, man, this is a perfect place. Um, next so, time, next time it's time for the Great Dane to hang out in the yard. So you are up. Well, by the time this episode will release, it will be in the past. But by the time we are recording, you are coming up on your MMA retirement fight after how many fights you had? Well, total. I mean, do you want total with boxing, Muay sure, Thai? the whole deal. So, yeah, my students told me this the other day because uh, I don't think about stuff yeah. like this when you get hit in the head as many times as me with <laughs> training and, and street fights and all these. So um, they were they weren't on all the on the. The you know the tapologies and the sure dogs and the mixedmartialarts.com, boxrex.com, Muay Thai Times, um, bloodyelbow.com, Top Gun MMA, uh, B- Box Nation. Um, they they went on YouTube. I think they Googled. They went Wikipedia. These you know that they're they're kids and they of look course. up to me, which is cool. And the other day they came and they're like, Coach, we we think we we know your number of fights. Blah blah. blah. So total. They said I fought 189 times. Jesus. So Christ. that will be. Um, I, I don't want to mess these numbers up, but I think so. In amateur boxing, it was 52 and 11. Pro boxing, I went nine and one, uh, or eight and one, nine and one. Amateur Muay Thai and uh, pancreation, they considered the same. So it was only like three pancreations. Right. The rest were Muay Thai, but um, I went 17 and one, and then did a couple pro kickboxing fights. That was four and zero oh, or four and one. And then we, I did some bare knuckle stuff way back in the day in like 2002. That um, was six and two. And then pro MMA, I'm 33 and five. And amateur MMA, I think I was 25 and 0. So they Jesus. put all that together and they showed me the sheet. But I might have got those numbers wrong. So when people are doing math and they're going to be like, oh, fuck him. Yeah. yeah, I get hit in the head. Fuck you. <laughs> You're the faggot with the calculator watch fucking doing this shit. Um, anyway, sorry to tell the faggots I offend. I don't mean that in a sexual way. I just meant it in like the pre-Louis C.K. not jerking off on people way. Um, I had once, by the way, Savada telling me about you yelling at the gopher in your yard, screaming that, come back here, you faggot. Don't be a, you run like a faggot. You're a coward. <laughs> yeah, the gopher, man. It's like the gophers are just the pieces of shit of the rodent world. They're like, you know, it's like, 
Like that's the only thing that Trump has ever said that I could agree with when it comes to gophers. I want to build that wall and get the <laughs> gophers out of my fucking yard. But besides that, um, but yeah, it, it was um, so 200 somewhere in the neighborhood of almost 200 fights. I guess almost career. 200 fights and everything said and done. Um, yeah. When did you start? How old were you? When I first started, like my first competition type of stuff, I would say documented like suredog.com is, I think it's 1999. That's my first pro fight okay. or 2000, which um, if you look, I know I'd fought before that pro am, which means I wasn't even 17 years old yet. Right. So, um, I, you know, when some people look at that, they're like, wait, what the hell? And this was back before kids fought at that age. Of course, age. of course. So I'm not calling myself like a pioneer or a veteran or gatekeeper, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was very rare for me to be that young. I mean, there are some other young guys like Emmanuel Newton came up a couple of years after me and we started training with T2 Ortiz at uh, HB Ultimate. We would uh, mm -hmm. alternate driving. He went to Torrance High School, North Torrance High School, and I went to Redondo in Maricosa for a short time, both ones. And uh, we would take uh, the keys to the wrestling gyms and we would get access to the wrestling gyms because the coaches are fucking cool. Of course. And, uh, then we would go straight and meet and go to HB Ultimate where Tiki was coaching us, Razor Rob McCullough, Scary Jerry Verbonowitz, Tito Ortiz. Oh, so I'm tapping the names. I'm trying to think. Um, uh, who else? There was a slew of guys down there. Me and Emmanuel Newton, um, the, K, the the hardcore kid um, who was a Bellator champion right. at one point. Great. I love, I love Emmanuel. Um, I went to Raw, Real American Wrestling for a while. Um, I've been also going to Rico Ciparelli, Vladimir Metashenko, me training together a bunch. Um, big shout out to VMAP, Vladimir Janner, Metsushenko. That guy's helped me a lot, and he just was a guy I looked up to. And since he was around the gym, it was cool. John Marsh, another guy, Triton, yep. Triton MMA. I trained with him a lot. Um, big shout out to John Marsh. Bob Bass, obviously the first American black belt in a Machado system. He was he let me live in. He took me out of living in my car. You know, I was living in my car. He knocked on the window. What are you doing? I'm sleeping. Why are you sleeping? Because I live here in this car. I'm a fighter, man. You know, right. not even done with high school yet. And he's like. You don't have to sleep in your car, you know. But he did this interview where he's like, but you're going to pay me money one day. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm going to teach you. Um, so, yeah, all those guys. Um, just, yeah, so I just fought at a really young age. I was just commingling with sort of the right people, you know. I mean, I remember all right. I remember Randy Couture being, I was 13, and him training with with Rico Rodriguez at, at Machado's. Of and, course. And, and I remember, I mean, I remember these things. Yeah, um, you have been through all the formative year of MMA as a sport from day one. Back yeah, like I remember like... the Machado, okay, my dad, his one of his uh, partners up at the academy, he was teaching some common, some other stuff. Um and was uh, John McCarthy Sr. Oh, wow. And so they brought up the Gracies in 1988 to do a combat grappling course, which my dad still has a t-shirt of. Right. And that's when my dad told me I should start looking into jiu-jitsu. So I was six, like five before or six. Anybody before anybody Before anybody knew about it. Right. They were living in a, in a garage in Torrance. Well, a house in Torrance. We're yeah. training out of a garage um, in Torrance. Um, and I, I mean, I was a... I was a fucking kid, you right. know? And, and I remember, you know, my dad being like, yeah, my, you know... Uh, my one of my training partners, officers, friends, whatever cohorts in the police department's son is taking this Brazilian Jiu Jitsu stuff. He's the SWAT team member, which is John McCarthy Jr., um, right. who's the let's get it on um, guy in the UFC. He was a SWAT team member, and um, his dad was one of the leaders of the SWAT team, John McCarthy Sr. And uh, my dad worked with him because through LAPD. So then, next thing I know, we're starting to go over to the Gracie Academy, which. Um, at first, before they had their school, it was just like garage stuff. But then when the, their first real academy was on Carson Street, right. which was in Torrance, um, across from the high school. So I would go over there and get shown stuff by... I'd get beat up. I shouldn't even say shown stuff. I'd just get fucked up. But, um, I mean, I remember... Um, uh, Henner and he'd on it. And Halleck. Halleck was a, a, such a cool kid to me. Um, and, and, and he'd on it. And, and then Horian would sit there and watch. Helio would... I remember Helio watching me roll. Right. And like, like one... You know, I would get... I'd usually be pretty decent on the takedowns. I was a strong kid. And, and he'd be like, good. And then instantly triangle or something. Of course. And, you know, um, getting the belt wrapped around my neck. Giggled that. But uh, I learned. And then I just um, started hearing stories about the Machado system and stuff. And, um, and then it was closer to my house... Everybody's like, you gotta meet this guy, Bob Bass. He's, you know, the first American black belt. And uh, and then, yeah, kind of ventured over there. And and so, like you said, yeah, I mean, I was there, like, at the fucking beginning. Was it Bob? I remember you read a story. I think it was right before Savannah's first fight when you 
in the in the locker room you were telling stories and that was die because they were hilarious like and by the way on a side note i seriously think you would have a career in comedy because some of the stories you tell i'm always like on the floor just <laughs> laughing my ass off but you're telling these stories about uh, you were uh, you were in high school and uh, a coach of yours maybe bob but i'm not sure was like the fuck are you going? What are you doing going to school? You shouldn't go to school. Just become a fighter. And he's like, but I kind of like school. He's like, what do you need school for? What? I like math. I'm like, math? What are you going to need math for? Yeah. He was like, absolutely like the exact opposite of everything you're supposed to everything tell to kids. To, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember just like, uh, you know, may, maybe what my coaches hated their school advisors or something, but then, then being like, you know, you like, aren't, aren't you supposed to be a school? I was like, well, they just told me to train. Right. And they're like, what do you mean they? I was like, well, the coaches told me to train, be a right. fighter. And they're like, why? And they're like, because that's what you're going to be. And I'm just like thinking like, this is the advice I've always wanted to hear. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm in fucking heaven. I was like, yeah, okay. I've found my coaches. And I was right. like, just show me what to do. And uh, yeah, the very same coaches have had a huge impact on my life. I mean, they've helped me with everything. Right. If it wasn't for them, I, I mean, in reality, they were pulling me towards the right way. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. you ain't going to be a fucking scholar. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, if I were a smart man, I'm not a smart man, but if I were a smart man, I'd say I'd do pretty well in, in an intellectual field if I had to, but I think I would just kick my way out of that paper bag. That's hilarious, man. That's funny. Yeah, because I remember you saying something like one of the coaches said that some guy following you to make sure you would drop out yeah. and not go to school. Well, the coaches and would be the- like, like, he would be like, let's do some wind sprints. And right. so like, I, and he'd be like, and then run three miles. But I remember uh, one thing um, Bob would tell me all the time. Bob Bass would tell me this all the time. And then um, Sonny Michaels, rest in peace, Ironfoot. So Sonny Michaels, one of my, my, my coaches, um, he was the one that would tell me, like, don't go to school. Like, what are you school for? We're going to teach you. You know, he gave me my black belt in Jeet Kune Do and, and taught me about Bruce Lee. And he's like, I'll take you to school, man. I'll fucking take you to real That's school so about good. martial arts. And so, he, you know, he brought me around Dan and Asano. And I got, got to meet Dan a bunch and learn some Kali and Eskrima, some Arnis from Dan, some Pana Tukin, um, some Sealot, little bits of stuff when I was young. Took me to meet Mark Denny. Mark Denny's still a friend. Goes to South Bay Jiu-Jitsu Promotions. And I see him. The dog brothers, Mark of Denny. Course. So people that are listening to this that are old school martial artists are like, wait, what the fuck Sean is trained and knows yeah I know Mark Denny yeah I know Dan Asano yeah I know Gene LaBelle personally um yeah I I I know um my coach Bob Bass went to Chuck Norris's house and trained him back in the day well because that's I mean ALA and all these area right that's true like it's like the mecca of martial arts today and having Freddie Roach and Pepper Roach you hold Mitts and James Tony looking up to there watching them shoot get ready for Ali with Will Smith when I'm a kid yeah, and yeah, it was it's just, like uh, who's who uh, you grew, that's who you grew up around. And that has been your life from the get-go, basically. You know, you've been in it forever. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Sonny Michaels telling me one day, uh, he said, he's like, you know, when people fucking ask you if you have your PhD or your MDA or your BA yeah. or your liberal arts or your AA, he goes, no, you tell him, I have my BTDT. That's my been there, done that, motherfucker. <laughs> that means I've been there and I've done that. I've run a yeah. business. I've got 48 employees. I've got multiple locations. I own my house. He's right. like, I've made my shit in fighting. That's a good one. That's a trip right there because, you know, most people, especially people who started back then, they didn't make any money. You yeah. know what I mean? Is like, you know, today, if you climb to the top, you make money. Even then, most people are not going to climb to the top 15, 20, so they are still not going to make money. Right. But there's a little more of that happening. Back when you started, and for the bulk of your career early on, nobody made money. You know? Nobody made money. And so it's. I remember it would be like, whoa, you got paid? It's <coughs> like, what? 200 bucks? Great. That's... Yeah, it was like 350. You'd be stoked, you know, of if course. title fight, 500 to fight. If you made like a thousand bucks, like that for sure was on some sort of pay-per-view yeah, for a yeah. belt. But um, yeah, that's nuts right there. And it's like, and so the way, how did, how did you manage to make it work financially to be able to not sleep in your car, to actually get a house eventually, to be able to do all those things? Well, Bob took me out of my car, you know, as like a teenager. And um, my parents were both awesome parents, by the way. Um, they were amazing parents. It wasn't like, oh, he didn't have a home. When my parents went through the divorce, my dad went to San Clemente, you know, right as I'm trying to finish up high school and fucking do, you know, be, be, a, mm-hmm. be a, a kid. And my um, mom uh, moved eventually to, you know, uh, Malaysia because of her company thing. So it was basically just like, hey, man, I'm a, you know, if I'm going to be a young adult soon anyway, like I'm going to fucking do this yeah. shit. Like um, it was just a, a real big uh, 
a priority to me to, to invest everything in fighting. So I had jobs of at 24 hour fitness, I worked the graveyard shift and then I would train and or I worked valleys as a personal trainer. And then I'd try to train some people at the, the fight gyms on the side for a little bit of cash. Um, or my coaches would have me do yeah. side jobs for cash. You know, if I was real desperate, they knew how to work hard and they were like, we're not going to mm -hmm. fucking give this kid, you know, yeah. even if they had millions, I'm sure they wouldn't have given it to me. And they now my dad probably right. does, you know, he's doing well. You know, you hear that whole quote on that Joe Rogan says, you know, hard times make easy men, easy men make hard times, hard times yeah. make hard men. And the cycle repeats. And, and when I heard that, I was like, wow, you know, I don't listen to a ton of his show all the time, but when I listen to it, it a lot of stuff always kind of touches home. And that's kind of how I kind of lucked out. Cause I know my mom, my dad both had a little bit hard, you know, different, different ways, but then, um, they weren't going to make it easy for me. Of course. And so I think that was an advantage where they helped me out enough to where I was scraping by. Like, you know, sort of like my dad and my mom loving me and helping mm -hmm. me with kind of like, you really want to fucking do this? Like, you really want to be a tattoo cage you fighter? You need to stay and, hungry for it, right? And exactly. And so, like, I think they were looking back now when I might have been like, what the fuck? You could have given me this or that then. When I look back now, I go, I get it. Like, no, it's a fine line because you're right. I mean, if you make it too easy for people, if you spoil them, then they get weak. Yep. If you make it too hard, they never they have break. the opportunity. They break. And so it's the fine line of like, what's the right temper for, yeah. to cook that at? And, you and, know? and now I, the only little regret is that if I would have had it a tiny bit easier in some areas, I might have been able to break that threshold where I could have just really been snapping along, right. um, chugging along with some of my fight camps and stuff like that when it came to injuries or or stuff like that. I was always a little bit pre-focused on like, you know, when I was in the UFC, that was the first year I was owning the compound. So that was a huge drawback. And yep. then I got an injury. Um, when I was fighting in Bellator, I was living in the janitor's closet of the compound. Jesus. And then uh, for three years, I lived in the janitor's closet yeah. of the compound. And then my coach was killed weeks before, shot and killed in the gym, um, weeks before my Bellator debut against the number two fighter in the world at that point in the time, world ranking. He was like number two or three, Brian Baker, middleweight. Um, he, you know, and, and then that was when the middleweight division in the UFC was just Anderson Silva. Yeah. And so then the second ranked guy was actually Hector Lombard. And then it was Brian Baker because Alexander Slomenko hadn't really come up through the ranks yeah. yet. And th that was a, a weird time in MMA kind of when, you know, when there was still a strike force in, 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 in the UFC and the Bellator and the IFL and the Bodog yeah, and no, the show FC. And so it was this weird time where fighters were spreading thin everywhere. That's yep. why Nick Diaz wasn't in the UFC mm -hmm. yet. Shogun wasn't in of the course. UFC yet. Rampage wasn't in the UFC yet. You know, um, so, it, you know, obviously all the guys in the WEC weren't in the UFC yet because right. they had been bought. All the guys in Strikeforce weren't in the UFC yet. All the guys in Pride weren't in the yeah, UFC yeah, it yet. Yeah, there was a few people in each place, exactly. but it wasn't all in And one. I think now there's it's it's a little different you've got a real tier mm -hmm. you have like a real three to four tier system right where you've got the ufc and then under the ufc you have one fc you have bellator and you have the pro fighters league mm -hmm. and then you have like kind of the smaller organizations that are are like reservation shows yeah. or small casino shows or, or shows that do pro-am shows and stuff like that um that, which is the local type of local show I'm fighting on to retire because it's kind of the fucking way I, I started, you know, is in a backyard in a tennis court doing cage combat, which was two K's cage combat in, in San Pedro, neutral grounds fights. And so, and I think that's tripping itself. The fact that you have gone from like being on showtime, uh, being like in, under the spotlight with the, some of the biggest organizations. And at the same time, you know, all too well, the reality of the small local, not even like, California State Athletic Commission license shows, you know, the very, very local stuff. And you kind of know the whole world from one end to the other and everything in between. Yeah. And that's, and that's been kind of, and I'm thankful for that because I think I can mentor people. Like that's right. why I'm such a good coach is because I've seen it all. I've been done dirty. I've been done well. Um, when you're mentored by the guys, the, the laundry list of guys that I, that I mentioned, and obviously there's more and if I would have come in like at a different, like I'm 37 now right? and like, I'm in like not good shape, but I could fuck up most of the people in my division. But when it comes to like, okay, what if we made a fight that was like 90 seconds long <laughs> with a two minute rest? Right. I would <laughs> be a UFC to... fucking champion. Like, I don't think, I seriously think there'd be UFC fighters like Sean Lawler for 90 seconds. 
no. fuck that <laughs> shit, you know? Um, and like, you know, I could, I'd, I'd be like, fuck, like I literally, if you told me I could sign like two minute rounds with right. two minute rest that and I could good. do four or less of those, yeah. <laughs> like two minute rounds, or if you gave me like a two minute round, the two minute rest, and then like a two minute round, the three minute rest, and then two minute round, the two minute rest, and like a two minute round, the five minute rest, yeah. and then like one like finale round that was maybe three minutes. Like, maybe, but I'd probably tap out on the stool between that round. I'd be like, yeah, he's good enough. But, like, if you gave me short fights just because of, you know, my cardio and business and daughter, yeah. like, I look at these guys. I'm like, I'd fucking knock that guy yeah. out in 90 <laughs> seconds. Like, he would literally have to run away. I, if I could just go try to take him down or get on top or get on bottom and then just fucking yeah. sweeping. That's hilarious, man. That's actually what they used to say about BJ Penn when he was still still good but beginning to go yeah. downward. They were saying, man, if BJ Penn could do one-round fights, he would be the champion of everything. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, eventually is. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that that chapter of your life, which has been a chapter since you were a kid, comes to a close? You do your last uh, retirement MMA fight. You're done with boxing. You're done. How do you feel about that transition? Because that's not an easy one for most people, you know, especially when you're used to having, you know, your name being called out, the walk out to the cage, everybody screaming and cheering. Yeah, I mean, um, the fact that I've, you know, have some nice things now and that my daughter's very comfortable and, um, and that I'm am able to, to, to own my business and have the life I have. And um, then I also know what it's like living in a car and stuff where um, it, I think it's just going to make me better to relate to fighters and to right. try to get through to them that like, you know, they can do. One thing is fighters aren't loyal anymore, though. That's the thing. Like, there's no more like loyalty in fighters. Like, they always like think like, oh, I got to go here. I got to go there. And I'm like, no, trust me. If you give me like six years, I'll get you in the fucking UFC, bro. Like, right. <laughs> but the guys nowadays, you know, I don't have all the money in the world to pay for every fucking commercial on YouTube, you know, um, for the, and, and it's, it's, it's also bittersweet in a way that, cause a lot of those guys were guys that I was also training with and friends with that of now course, are those gyms, gyms that are not competition cause they're 30 miles away or whatever, but you're but, still proud yeah. and you're like, fuck, I wish I could advertise to everybody in Orange County, even though I just have one gym in San Diego. Um, but they can do that, you know, yeah. you know, uh, so congrats to them. The guys, the Eric Del Fierro's that put in the, the work and the time for the alliances and the victory MMAs with Jocko, obviously, yeah. and Chris Levin, um, gyms like that, you know, in the compound, we've been around longer than anybody else. All those guys trained at, at the place, but you know, it's just, um, it's not the same demographic. We're not next to a fucking sports arena or an airport or, or right there, you know, with the humongous building and we don't have financial backers. You know, um, it's just me. It's right. this fucking solo dolo, yeah, fucking right, you know, riding dirty. So I'm trying to do my shit with with my company. You know, spreading how we can. You know, we, we went to some other locations and we got sister schools like South Bay Jiu Jitsu that we have. You know, obviously a high stock in. Right. Um, so uh, we we we're doing okay, but that's where I think now maybe my, if my focus goes away from like fighting and uh, and any little opportunities that they give me once in a while or injuries that I could be one of those gyms. And that's kind of my motivation to where I don't need to be in the spotlight. I can sure. be right on the edge of that spotlight, sure. walking behind a guy in the spotlight, yeah. you know, but, 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 you know, to see, but the, that's what you want to do now. Like the, to see the moon, the, you have to have a dark sky, right? you know? And, <laughs> and so, you know, I'm fine with doing that, yeah. with being the dark sky to look at something else shine bright in front of me. And so if I have to be realistic with my life and if people aren't realistic with their life and they cling to things too long, it can really end up in a bad yeah. result and it seems almost desperate. Oh no, it never ends well. And it never mm-hmm. ends well. And I don't want to seem desperate. If I'm not going to be on the top and fighting for fucking big boy money, um, I would rather put all that effort into managing and coaching my fighters and finding some loyal people to be like, man, five of you guys, if you if, if you give me a reasonable 20% right. and there's five of you fuckers, that's the same as 100% of me and I don't have to get punched in the face that much unless which, I want to. Which helps. And I can help these guys, but I need commitment and loyalty, which I've had some of, you know, but it seems like, you know, with, with the gym, uh, an honest assessment, which is frustrating, is I get people relevant enough to get noticed other places and then they go and get noticed other places. Right, right, right. And they never go like, hey... Sean is the one that kind of built me a couple of builder fights to get me this record like five and one, sure. you know? So um, that's the real thing is, you know, I've got all these guys that I go, yeah, you know, coach Tim, coach Tim, coach Tim, coach Tim. And then people that are at the gym now are like, oh, why are you in the corner now? I'm like, fuck if I know, you know? And then he gets knocked out after, you know, three right. fights or whatever, unless they're the real special gem. But um, I feel like I could have been the variable to make it not get knocked out. 
but you're making the money so with the gym just running the gym correct and then the plan is to add the manage and coaching and that's going to be kind of where you're going with the future so it's still going to be seminars it's still very seminars that's a good one heavily you know it's still martial art related that's going to be your focus absolutely no matter what what I do a lot now is I do a ton of stuff where I'm contracted with the military. I've, right. I've been well, fortunate enough to train um, the Army Recon instructors. I trained all of the McMap, which is a Marine Corps martial art program, instructors. So we rewrote that course into a little bit of a better thing for the guys that are coming out of the BRC and Camp Pendleton and the recon base there. And so we were able to um, infiltrate the martial arts program of the military and really make it legit. You know, I love knife fighting, right. like I was mentioning earlier and right. defanging With, the snake uh, and, 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 and traditional martial arts, you know, um, you know, I, I like, I like the thought of, of, uh, you know, uh, Savat and I like, you know, yep. thought of knives going to people's throats with a foot. And I like being, <laughs> I like being slick. And, I'm sorry. Let's try that again. I like the thought of <laughs> knives going into people's throats with a foot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, nothing like, psycho about that quote. <laughs> no, I mean, if you just but think about the dynamic, you know, you stab somebody, that's brutal. Stab somebody in the neck, that's brutal. Think about a kick. Yeah. Foot, and that's, that's what, and point. that's what it was that, you know, French foot fighting. Yep. So, um, that's what now I've been doing a lot of is working with um, the military police officers. I've got a bunch of uh, SWAT and regular police officers. Actually, uh, one of the uh, top SWAT guys now and a sniper that come up from San Diego. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give details on who these guys are. But sure. um, a lot of those guys come up now and they train with me to do uh, disarms, to do a lot of safety type of things. Um, how We're getting way away from hey, <laughs> like I, I try to tell them. And I don't, I don't know if police commanders or whatever are going to agree with me. I think they will. I'm like, let's let's not pepper spray or tase people. Like, it's just not going to work. Right. Like, you know, the, the OC spray might work on a crowd that of, you know, dispersing some people. But if a guy and you are getting down, like, you have to recognize that and yeah. be prepared. And, and let's just holster the gun and make sure that he can't get it either, which now they've got good enough trigger holsters where that can make it. And we can teach these guys to not really be worried. To throw a knee and sprawl right. and, yeah. and call for backup and, and, and he, you know... And, and and I think it will stop a lot of this blue on black violence, black on blue violence, and all the fucking yeah. political bullshit that is really realistically going on in this country that's sure. that's dividing us. Yeah, because um, yeah, that's one thing that sometimes impresses me when I see videos of arrest going bad. Beside the violent aspect of the cops, you know, doing escalating way too much, you also the see cops inadequacy. have no idea how to. F- I mean, I've seen videos where literally there are like five cops with one guy. And they can't pin him down. And I'm like, dude, if one guy shot a double, the other guy get his arms. And the dude is like 170 yeah. pounds on meth with a wife beater on. Like he is not a trained no. fighter. And but he's just fighting and he's on and you're like, Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? They're, they're, they're trying to fucking schoolyard choke him terrible. and hold on to his yeah, legs. And you're just like terrible. you're shaking your head and it's on World Star. Yeah. And you're yeah. just like, oh man. Yeah. And and that's and and that's why when people get mad at some law enforcement officers, they have a legit point. I mean if if that if a guy's gonna fight and that's how you're gonna handle it, like, like who the fuck are you? You're just a guy and not yeah. even really a tough guy. No, that's and that's where then they suddenly reach for the gun because they yeah. suck in any other kind of fighting, and that's and sort that's of a what's problem. been happening. Yeah, I mean, and that's why uh, the compound we do the national night out now for the past five years. So we go to San Marcos and they bring in the helicopters, the whole police force. Well, except for the ones that are patrolling. Yeah. Um, they bring in the police canine dogs. They bring in the fingerprint team. And we get about 500 kids. I've got some pictures and stuff that are posted on different stuff where we teach them anti-bullying and how not to get freaking raped, mm-hmm. kidnapped and raped. And and nowadays, people love in our society to sugarcoat everything. They love right. to alphabetize everything from A, B, C, B, D, G, L, B, T, H, Y, and Z. And then they love to categorize things. And it's not that simple. The sure. world can be a scary place. And the worst thing that could happen is you could be raped, killed, and they burn your body. Yep. Not, he's going to grab you. Nice. So kick him in the nuts, poke him in the eye, run the other way, scream stranger danger. No. No, no, no. That's not the worst. And some schools want to hear that. Of course. Because they want to keep their kids safe. Sure. And some schools are living on butterflies and lollipop kisses and they go, oh my God, I, I would never want our kids exposed to that. And you're like, but you do want them exposed to it. Yeah. Because they're going to be exposed to it. And if there's a shock factor at the time that they are and there's some sort of imminent threat, they're fucking dead. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you know, 
barring you know profanity and and well some profanity even with kids um we get the point across to them and so we really like working with the kids now i like working with the kids and and, and realizing that i like working with law enforcement i like military seminars for other coaches to try to be like hey you don't even have to give me credit for this but fuck it so in that sense almost the mma side of the game is not necessary like you could even just run the gym and this type of stuff, Correct. and that would be enough. Even. Correct. So it's like you have multiple tracks within yeah. the MMA. Uh, within, sorry, not the MMA, the martial arts world. Yeah. Is like, and so I'm not, yeah, so it's going to be pretty simple for me. It'll still be busy for me. Yeah. I can just now focus right. on those areas without some pipe dream in the back of my head, like a fucking Mick Maynard's going to call me. And he's going to be like, take this fight. Yeah. But so there's no marketability in the veterans. And that's why, um, you know, the, I think the UFC learned that when Randy Couture was champion. Uh-huh. And when, you know, you've had some guys that were old champions beating people with the experience. Yeah. But unfortunately, they didn't really like, they didn't like the fact that it was boring. Yeah, yeah, George St. Pierre. Of course. These are guys that were longtime champions because they figured it out. Yep. And whether it was a Santa fight or a ground fight, it just wasn't that entertaining because they were smart. Right. They're older of and they course. didn't want to take damage. Exactly. You know, Ben Askren had an exciting fight last fight because Robbie Lawler. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't planning on an exciting fight. Yeah, and Ben Askren's probably my favorite fighter. Of right course. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Ben Askren's going to be champion, I, I hope, because he's hilarious. And I think he will be just like the Randy Couture or the Tito Ortiz right. or the fucking George St. Pierre who were all longtime champions, and I think the UFC wants to do anything they can to make it more of a Mike Tyson show. Yeah, you know? in fact, I'm not sure why they even signed him, because they clearly don't like him. So it's kind of weird that they signed him, because he's like, he has a legitimate shot at beating all your best guys. Correct. So why are you even signing a guy if you don't want to promote him, and he can beat your guys? You know what I mean? You're not bringing him to lose, because chances are he's not going to lose. So it's... Well, how much pull do you think Dana White has with the company still? Well, that's a million-dollar question, right? Because it's like because, things have changed, of course. Because things have changed since you know the the China the Chinamans yeah. come in, and and so the money now is displaced. So the thing, and I thought that same thing, and it almost seems like the UFC, and I don't know if it was Dana's decision or somebody else's decision. But the decision to do what they did looks like they're gonna, you know, spite their nose, spite their face by biting yeah. their nose off. You know, you're gonna bite their nose off, spite their face. Um, and I don't know why you would bite your nose off, spite your face if you're the UFC at this point. Because first they traded DJ Demetrius Johnson, yeah, yeah. Mighty Mouse Johnson. Yeah. Um, shout out to him. Never met him, but he seems like a really cool yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> uh, so DJ to One FC and then got Ben Askren. And there's an open beef with. Ben and Dana. The only funny thing Dana's ever said in history is Ambien takes Ben Askren to go to sleep, which was genius <laughs> that is funny. when Dana White said that. Um, but I uh, didn't know Dana White said some other funny shit. But, uh, but that was hilarious. They've got an open beef and they sign him and he, and he can beat their guys and he could probably then beat the 55ers. Yeah. And so... I don't know if, like you said, they were trying to be like, ha, no one cares about 125ers. That's why we're trading DJ. And then Benavides goes and wins. Right. And beats TJ, who's on steroids. And he beats the steroid out TJ. And then Ben Askren beats Robbie Lawler and then could win championship. So it might really be, which is still going to benefit the UFC money-wise. But sure. um, So it doesn't, they don't fucking care. But um, it is interesting because... Because they really wanted to do something, I think they did the adverse. You know, they they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they made their flyweight division relevant, and then they fucking that's and one, then they fucking yeah. got a guy that could beat all their champions. No, that's one thing that always puzzled me about a lot of organizations. That sometimes their matchmaking doesn't always make the most sense. Like you figure, you know, you're trying to build storylines, and half of the time they sabotage themselves with the kind of. Ma- but in any case, other thing I wanted to ask you that uh, you know. Long career, you mentioned getting punched in the head is no longer fun. Yeah. And uh, and the thing that's emerging more and more is all the evidence about CTE mm-hmm. and how, you know, each time you get hit is not bad good news for your brain cells and all of that. Is that stuff you worry about at all? Is that stuff that has changed your thinking compared to when yeah, you started? Absolutely. Or, uh, um, I mean, just because... It's all the sub-concussive blows that do the damage. You know, um, I've never been knocked unconscious. Um, 
which isn't great. <laughs> you know, I've had fights that were 24, 28 minute fights, yeah. 15 minute fights, you know, eight round boxing fights, split decision. That's 24 minutes of fighting, 32 yeah. minutes total. You know, I mean, that's fucking, you know, at heavy, at heavyweight um, with 10 ounce yeah, gloves. Yeah, exactly. Gloves. You know, you do that at 130 pounds is one story. You get punched so, by... Yeah, like once in a while I have migraines. Um, I'll catch myself stuttering once in a while. And regardless of my education level, I'm pretty fucking articulate. So when I catch myself like after a training session, like something like that I get frustrated hanging on a word um I just would say yeah like I would just I definitely never gonna get punched in the face after 39 years old you know I'm I'm about to be 37 so I'm 36 right now and and, you know I would be willing to get punched in the face for you know like if 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 for some reason somebody fell off and McMahon was like hey you look phenomenal in that fucking fight we know you can just come and fight right now why don't you fill in for this fight because we need somebody to fill in or whatever um I like I would be willing to do that for like like that but not past another yeah, you know, yeah. year it's of like that still, just because yeah that and, and i wouldn't even spar you know going into I'll, I'll maybe spar one time well and that's the other problem with sparring for example though whereas grappling you can go pretty hardcore and people tap and you know any yeah. injuries joints which suck but it's not the same as brain sparring is a hard beast because if you don't put enough heat it's not realistic and if you really put heat you take way too much damage in training and then yeah. it's you got messed so like up, i said so i'll it's... probably spar once right hard for this fight like 10 days 12 yeah. days before the fight um the other interesting thing though that i started to think about too is just there's so little research on it you know i mean will smith has knows more about this than anybody and he's a fucking actor um <laughs> just right. from his research yeah. of the movie you know and that's just kind of scary thing you know like he's almost an expert on cte yeah. from that movie from studying the one doctor that is the expert you know because there's so little to be said and i think uh the people that have money don't want anything to be said no. football of course not <laughs> absolutely you know mma shh, boxing shh, yep. soccer shh. Yep. um you know no headers shh. yeah because you're right you know it's not just you know we think of fighting but football like rugby. the whole start rugby and as you say, soccer, you know, the soccer headers, the head, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, it started to really trip me out to where like, um, you know, not like so much where I brood on it, but thinking they, I think a lot of shit's going to come out yeah. in the future going, Hey, it's good to be active, sure, but just know that you're taking a lot more psychological risk than you realize by yep. playing soccer, by playing rugby, by playing lacrosse, by playing football, by playing basketball, by playing boxing, by playing kickboxing. And by playing martial arts. Uh, no, there's a bunch of stuff that leads to that. That's why, in fact, is... Uh, and I don't want my kid having issues. Nope. That's why, in fact, you know, if you are into martial arts, probably one of the safest thing would be grappling stuff. And even Absolutely. then, grappling, preferably not the Take kind downs. where you get some gigantic Judo double throw. leg where you get slammed on your head because yeah. that's not going to help you some either. Some Ochimata where they're exactly. whipping your neck around yeah. and slamming you on the Where mat. you go flying. You have to they're they're awesome fall. to look at, <laughs> but they are not that fun to be on the receiving end of you know yep. and i think that's partially why jiu-jitsu is so popular because you start already on the ground you are not taking hits you are not taking uh, giant falls so you eliminate gravity you know the amount of rocking you get to your brain is minimal and so it's a whole different game but yeah man because that's a tricky one because it's like it would be nice if we have this bio- bionic brain where you know we are training but we don't have we don't feel the impact but we do you know and that's the that's the reality of the game so that yeah that makes it rough for sure the um, that's cool though because i mean it's, it's interesting the fact that you are switching your life around it's switching and not switching because there's obviously continuity with everything you've been doing you know Absolutely. still you're gonna be involved into martial arts you're still gonna be involved but in a different fashion i'll be more active on social media because i'll be more business oriented right now i put up you know four pictures of my daughter and one if i happen to have a fight that year two yeah, fights yeah, that year of course um and then i'll say congrats you know i, I like savannah's pictures you're right. savannah m your, your little yeah. brawl and barbie but um i you know i like her shit once in a while your shit when i go on the one time i right. post so once every five <laughs> months people get my likes or whatever um so I'm going to be a lot more active with that because even if I'm not completely irrelevant, at least I can start posting more business yeah. stuff, feel feel like I'm being proactive. Of course. So that's probably one change that they'll see is more of me being active on social, social media, active on um, on having Instagrams and more YouTube videos that will be posted constantly of stuff going on. We're doing more in-house events when it comes to like small little like um, exhibitions, boxing exhibitions where no winner, no loser. You have 14-ounce gloves, headgear, right. two-minute rounds, three two-minute rounds. Um, 
maybe some little title fight where they both get a belt, everybody gets a trophy, everybody's hands raised, it's kind of crowd cheer on who wins or loses. Sure. We're not trying to fuck with commissions. Right. The fans come and they can give a gym donation at the door. We have hot dogs and whether it's grappling that month yeah. or Muay Thai that month, it's two minute exhibition rounds and you come and you sign up that day and like, hey, we got you know some, some referees are sitting there and the coaches have to yeah. be there and your parents, if you're a kid, have to be there obviously. And you're like, hey, let's do some sparring, some exhibition sparring, see where we're at. And it's a really cool family thing. And then we have our all of our guys that are doing the sanctioned shows and stuff. And then um, some guys that are doing the unsanctioned shit, trying to build themselves up to make it worth it for them to do a of sanctioned course, show to pay course. the fucking camo fees and to pay the uh, yeah, to money. pay the, the California CSAC fees. So yeah, it takes money. It's for them just to not make money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the reality. In fact, that's the problem with like why the Indian reservation kind of gigs. Well, because. If you do it, the legal California State Athletic Commission oh, sanctioning costs so much they're money. They're fucking people financially. It, but, I mean, it's like, I guess the way they, they look at it is AYSO and um, youth basketball and lacrosse and girls that do dance competitions right. that they cost shitloads of money. So, yeah. hey, let's make it um, more legit by charging everybody because that's kind of the way the government does things. And then your fighter has to have a fight license, and then he has to have his medicals, which are seven hundred ninety or eight hundred fifty yeah, bucks. That's a bunch of so money to have a fight where you don't get paid. That's twelve hundred yeah. bucks for a fight that they want you to sell tickets on. Yeah, they want you to guarantee you'll sell thirty tickets on that show for those kids because they got to pay the commission, whatever they're paying them. So these kids are asked to promote a show, so they're literally getting promoting a show for free, which they should be getting paid for. They're asked to sell tickets, so now they're a fucking ticket broker of a fucking show that they're barely getting paid for. Then they have to turn the money over to the promoter, so now they're asked to be an accountant, you know, at, at the same time. Then they have to make uh, share posts about it on Facebook, so they have yeah. to be a internet uh, marketing person, a social media marketer, and then they have to go fucking train and fight. Yeah. And then at the same time, they have to be able to pay for all those licenses to make 500 to fight, 500 to win. When after everything's said and done, they turned in $2,000 and spent 1600 And that's not including if they needed hotel, gas, or food or anything. So, I don't know. It's a real racket. It is. That's uh, In fact, it's a very weird sport to get into because you're going to be losing money. Then you're going to lose money. Then you lose more money. Yeah. Maybe you start breaking Maybe. even. It- but it's such a long process that and you nowadays either... you can't really be like. Unfortunately, there's no more such things as like real fighters, like journeyman, like guys like me. Tony Lopez have like 80 fights. You know, Chris Lieben is a guy. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Chris Lieben's higher than us. You know, when it comes to notoriety and stuff. But I'm saying there, he's a real fighter. Tony Lopez is a real fighter. I'm a real fighter. So we have records that that are conducive with that. Well, nowadays, if you try to do what we did, you might be like two and fifteen. Right, because uh, not you know not saying you couldn't be fi- that me and all and Tony and Chris wouldn't be fifteen and two. Sure, now. but what I'm saying is now, like you said, since there is such an investment, there's not really shitty people no. getting involved because nobody shitty is going to turn pro. Nope. I'm talking about pro records here. No shitty person at this point is going to turn pro. So all your fights are pretty fucking hard fights. So if you're struggling or have a downtime or don't have all the time in the world to commit to it or you fight yeah. four world beaters in a row you're 0-4 yep and no that's how it is and that's fucked. why in fact you look at boxing records and it's like you get super inflated records whereas in mma people who are but i think you need that you do and i actually and like the, the boxing model better. i like the boxing model better man like because yeah. because it gives people hope absolutely the other model is you know you People you can be a journeyman. 50-50 fights in MMA are actually pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, they are not like 50-50 fight in boxing. Nah, not so much. 50-50 fight in MMA. You're a beast. Yeah. You're Sometimes fighting there's... tough fighters nonstop. Yeah. Guys that have fought pro like after probably 2015, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ball game. Like you, you yep. can't like if you get two losses and want to rebuild a fight and you're trying to do it the legit way. Good fuck luck. you. Yep. You want to win? You gotta find that reservation. Yep, absolutely. You gotta find that casino. Yeah, rebuild. You gotta fucking find that show in Tijuana. Yep. If you think that's not reality, you're fucked in the head. You're absolutely. a fucking retard. Because the but so if you want to do it the right way, they're gonna fucking feed you to somebody else. And then the shitty thing is, is once you're zero and five because you're fighting all sanctioned people, they won't even sanction you to fight anyone else. Exactly. So, and then you're done. So one thing I wanted to ask you because it's always visually interested especially when you mention your social media and stuff and 
you know, for those of you guys who you are hearing Sean's voice, but you don't know what the man looks like, you have this beast of a man who's strong like an ox, has tattoos even in his nostrils, probably. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like the prototype of like what you imagine the hardcore cage fighting guy to be. Sean fits the bill. And then, like, half of your posts, the rare times when you do post on social media, is always you with your daughter going to Disneyland or some shit, or just happy, and just, like... And I I find it fascinating, like, how old is your daughter now? Five. Five. So, still, you know, really little, and beginning to go to school, and all that. How's that experience of being, you know, the the world that you live in is a very testosterone-filled world, where it's like, everything is toughness and rough guys and people who make a living punch each other in the head and all of that and that is like one of the things that you are clearly most excited about in your life it's something that's the exact opposite of that you know you're around your daughter wearing uh, you know whatever the fuck mickey mouse hats or whatever (laughs) you know it's like it's how most people would find that odd I don't think it's odd at all, but it may be worth exploring a little bit. Like, what do you make of that part of your life? How does it fit with everything else that you are? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Ariana, I mean, she's like my ride or die. She's like my best friend. You know, you've got your daughter, and I'm sure you know. Um, I mean, fuck, dude, it's so crazy. Like, um, have you ever seen the movie, like, I Am Sam? No. Sean Penn. Uh, Don't I heard see it. about it, but you'll cry the whole it. fucking movie. You know? Oh, is he? Yeah, no, I have seen it. And he's I the know re- which retard with the daughter. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. like blue plate. Yeah, and like it's just like so you you see from a father's standpoint. You watch The Lion King. You know what I mean? Or, or yeah. you're Marley and me, and I'm fucking just bawling, of crying. Course. I'm watching every any Disney movie that now comes out has that emotional part. Of in course. It. And I've got tears running down my face. She's like, "Why are you crying, Dad?" And I'm like. <laughs> And I'm like such a pussy when it comes to that stuff because it's like they're just pulling on your heartstrings of a dad and like you just love this little fucker so much. Like, you know, like until you have a kid, you, you know, you you just your heart in like until like you fall in love and like and have a kid. Like those are the two things like, you know, um, like, you know, like it's the same thing, like not it's a different feeling, but it's the same thing like with my girlfriend or with my daughter. It's like you never really realize that your heart like could feel something like, Oh my God, it's like almost like a hurt, but it's like, you're loving them. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's crazy. And then you just like, man, I thought there's just an organ in the center of my chest that fucking pumped hemoglobin to everybody right. else. Like, you know, that's what we're here for. And then like, you're like feeling something in your chest, like in your heart. You're like, fuck, that's weird. Like all that shit in Shakespeare and those sonnets and, and those romance novels and every country fucking song in the world was sort of right. And I used to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> And so it's just crazy how sensitive um, it is, like, being a little family and stuff and and just, like, wanting to do everything for your little girl. Like, she's – and then – and she's, like, you know, kids are so innocent. Like, they, they, they just, like, they don't – like, I, mean, I should say most kids that are good kids. I'm sure there's some fucking little pricks out there. Like, people are listening. It's like, my kid's an asshole. I probably yeah. agree. But, like, your kid and my kid and, and most kids that, like, have good parents, like, they, they don't even fucking know. Like how to like what tyranny is. Like they don't know what like disrespectfulness is. Like they they just interrupt. Like right. they don't know that they're sure. being rude, but they don't interrupt to be rude. Yeah, yeah. They interrupt because they are just insanely excited to tell yeah. you that that dog is brown and big, <laughs> <laughs> and you're fucking you know you know getting a ticket and you know yeah okay fucking yeah I see it. Yeah. Listen, man, I didn't know the blinker wasn't on. You know, and, and dad, dad, I gotta tell you something else. I have to tell you something else. I need to tell you something. Right. You know. And then you're just like, oh God, you know, um, but they, but they don't know that they're being just rude as fuck, you know, like that in any other, like if you were me, if you were talking to Savannah and like cooking food over there and I just walked out, I was like, Danielle, Danielle, oh my fucking God, the dog just ran into the living room. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with Sean? You do that. But, but, but it's like, it's just like, you know, a kid, you just like, you get it. You're just like, they have no sense of rude or of, of disrespect or of, of maliciousness, of you know, for most part, you know, most kids, like I say, um, but they're just excited and they're full of energy. And I just, I, I love that, you know, her little eyes looking around and like them analyzing things. Um, you know, like it's just like my, my kid just really smart, you know, she, you know, like and it makes you proud when they do things or they shock you with something that, you know, they say yeah. something you're like, 
oh, that's true. You know, like, right. like you know, because the last thing you said was the dog was big and brown. And then next thing you know, you're like telling me something relevant. You know, it's just like super interesting. Um, but it makes you definitely softer um, as a man, you know. But then if you meet my kid, my kid's like a psycho. So like she's like a little gnarly girl. So like I would have never expected yeah, that to happen. Yeah. So everybody's just like, it's for sure your kid. So she like likes dinosaurs and she likes fighting. Like the other day we were at the circus and this guy splashed me and all my coaches with mud rainwater on purpose. And they were GoProing it. These high school kids. Right. And my coach was like, you want us to come with you? I was like, no, I'm going to handle this. And I just went up to like admonish them and let them know like I did this too. Like, I didn't do it on GoPro because this is fucking yeah. sort of like illegal. I'd, maybe, maybe not, but it's disgusting. Now I'm covered in mud, walking the fucking circus, eating cotton candy. Like, you guys are fucking assholes. And so, like, I was basically just, like, threatening, like, y'all got to get out of your car and you got to roll around the mud. And then there was, like, or what? I was, like, I don't know if you're all 18, but I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and, and, like, they're just, like... <laughs> you know, kind of nervous. And so one of them gets out, the driver, and he realized, like, I fucked up. So he lays in the mud. And the pastor's <laughs> like, I'm definitely not getting in the mud. I'm like, you were filming. So either give me the camera or get in the mud. And he's like, I'll give you the camera. I was like, deal. Give me the camera. You know, I was like, I can film the fucking circus. And then, um, and then my daughter is yelling, though, from the other, like, side of the car rows because yeah. we're one row away, one aisle of cars away because I had to get in them to, like, do the right. whole stop, you know, the wide arms and the spread, like, when you're trying to scare a bear. And, you know, they stopped right, you know, bumper to fucking face and their lifted truck. And and then I I hear as I'm telling them, like, nope, then give me the camera and roll in the mud. Like, you can't videotape me and my family and my coaches. Not today, man. Just not fucking happening today. And so they, uh, they the kid's like... I, I'll give you the camera. I was like, perfect. Give me the camera. I, you know, I, I looked at the video. I was like, I was like, yep, you guys are fucking pricks. And then he's like, actually, give me the camera back. There's something on that I don't want you to see. I was like, you made a deal. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm seeing you and your girlfriend fucking get yeah. down if that's a deal. He's like, no, dude, please. I'll, and then he jumps out, rolls in the mud. So I throw the camera back at him. <laughs> but my daughter is yelling on the other side of the car. I'm not even touching the guy. She got, she's like, beat him black and blue, daddy. Beat him black and blue. <laughs> And the kid, one of my students, kid that came with us, I think I fucking traumatized him by opening the guy's door and being like, jump in the fucking mud. Yeah. Because the kid wouldn't talk during the whole circus. And then we were supposed to buy a toy and watch a movie afterwards. And like the second surf says, he's like, I want to go home. Really? <laughs> we're in the whole circus. But like the other coaches are dying laughing because they're just like, they see that like, oh, of that, course. that little twitch. Yep. That's fucking Sean Loffler right there. That's a one day with Coach Sean. <laughs> but uh, oh, that's funny, man. Yeah, so that's it's hilarious. like my daughter makes me soft, but then at the same time, you know, like not so much in other moments. Yeah, I mean, she black and blue. Yeah, I mean, or she said she said the other day uh, she was with my girlfriend and she got mad at one of the at, at either my my dog or her my my girlfriend's dog, and she was like, Ugh, "They're not listening. I just want to rip their eyeballs out and shove them in their mouth and make them chew their eyeballs so they can't see ever again." And then I was like, but you said they're not listening. So wouldn't it be better just rip their ears off? And then she's like, no, we're going to rip their eyeballs off, then shove them in their ears so they can't see or hear. It's like, so she's like, you know, I'm sure you yeah, remember what yeah, it was like yeah, when they were five. Yeah. And so, you know, you're just like, oh, you're a fucking evil genius, actually. I'm familiar with those conversations. But, but yes. and then, you, you know, it's Savannah knows, you know, so, but then it's just like, you're like, I fucking love this kid, you know, yeah. it's, and so it makes you soft. <laughs> That's hilarious, but I, I mean, that. you know, in this last month, I've gotten an epidural. I've had like an anxiety attack. I've thrown my back out, lifting my daughter up. I've signed my retirement fight. And I was walking with a cane and my students make fun of me constantly of because they're like, oh my God, look at the old man. And you know, something Bob Bass told me, give a, a shout out to him, a, a quote is, and I love this quote. He says, you know what, Sean, when he listens to him, because he comes and teaches either once a week or um, once every other week for mm -hmm. sure on a Monday. Um, so he goes, you know what, Sean, tell him this, an old man knows how to be young, but a young man does not know how to be old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking love that quote, you know, and they just shut up right after that. You nice. know, he just, it, I just love that quote. Um, so that's pretty good, but yeah, it all, it's all parenting, you know, that's funny, man. Well, it's like, I'm excited about the new chapters in your life opening up. That sound like fun. Yeah. Different. And not getting punched in the head. I'm sure it's going to be real fun. Yeah, I can. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll, I'll do a, a stand up night up here at a con, a con right? just for you. You should i think just, you should like the story you just told about the rolling the mud about really like <laughs> you know those are the kind of stories that i look forward to every time i talk to you but uh, do you want to do the shout out before we wrap things up yeah well, on guys? the way on the uh on the way out of here you know i'll, get, I'll give it a little uh 
Give a little shout out to uh, Jake from Recon Tattoo. So Daniele Bellelli, Savannah, me obviously. Uh, Jake's fitting me in the last tattoo I can do to get my body more inked up um, in Fallbrook. Is I know. there any You want to know what he's doing? He's doing my thumb. Oh, okay. He's literally doing my fucking thumb. Um, and yep. then I'll save this thumb for a real special occasion, okay. I guess. So uh, uh, Larissa, my girlfriend, and our favorite flower is a sunflower because right. I feel like I'll give a little sunflower story to end up at, and give a shout out to Jake at Recon Tattoo in Fallbrook. So the reason I'm getting a sunflower and you're, you're being – being um, the Taoist, you know, right. we're, we're going to go with the Taoist ending that I think your people appreciate. My favorite flower is a sunflower and my girlfriend's favorite flower. But the reason it's my favorite flower is because um, sunflowers remind me of me. And the reason sunflowers remind me of me is because we go to, we go to try different types of church, whether it be Hebrew, Jewish, mm-hmm. Baptist, you know, evangelical, Christian, Catholic. I like to be spiritual, but I don't like to commit to a uh, cult. So Mm -hmm. I do, we do our own thing. We'll try Scientology one week. We'll do Mormon and and Hare Krishna. You know, let's... The whole range. And we bring the kid and and it's just different experiences. People that are in churches are usually trying to get good experiences as much as they possibly can. So um, what I like to think is this. I don't know what God is. If it's the sun... If it's Buddha, if it's a cat, if it's a planet, if it's an aura, if it's a big guy with a beard that has a pearly gate, if it's a guy that died on a cross and went back up there, I don't know. If it's Mithra, mm-hmm. Horus, you know, anyone that I'm missing, Kwanzaa people, it's all in there, all right? I don't know. It might yeah. be your, your guy. I, I think there is something bigger, greater than us that is unexplainable. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't know what that constitutes God or whatnot, you know, especially when we're talking about Taoist type stuff on your podcast. But what I think is this, whoever created sunflowers or whatever created sunflowers was definitely the same thing that created me because a sunflower was never told you're a flower. So all the other flowers are small and fragile and dainty and delicate and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I took flowers of your yard. I love them. But a sunflower, and we're going to use the term God just to encompass everything. God never told the sunflower, you're a flower. So what happened was that sunflower was like, well, I want to get really, really big and see more of the world. And I want to get tall and I want to get bright so more people can see me and be happy seeing me. And I can show myself off and see more people and get really bright and just get huge and have this big stem and look at everything. Be this big kind of bright looking tattooed flower looking thing. (laughs) And since that same person never went to me and was like, listen, you're covered in tattoos. You didn't graduate high school. You've only fought your whole life. You got a daughter. You were living in janitor's closets and in your car. You're not supposed to own a house. You're right. not supposed to have, you know, joint custody of your daughter. You're not supposed to own a business with a bunch of employees in multiple spots. You're not supposed to have a, a car and then a fun car on the side. You're not supposed right. to have an infrared sauna in your house. You're not supposed to do the shit you fucking do. You know, right after my fight, me and Larissa are going to Trinidad because we want to fucking go to Port of Spain, Trinidad. So, like, um, no, but nobody told me because of everything that I went through that I wasn't supposed to do that. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to have Gucci shoes at, at the fucking Drunken Taoist podcast. But I was like, nobody told me that. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. So right. I fucking did it. And that's what a sunflower did. It just got huge and big. So today, giving that shout out to, uh, to Jake, it was... Uh, it's, yeah, going to be a sunflower right here down my thumb. And uh, so it's my, me and my girlfriend's favorite flower, and it's a flower that means a lot to me. Cool, man. Anything else you want to, like, mention? Just the compound. compound you know, the go to the compound in Oceanside. That's everything right now. You know, um, for anybody that, that listens to Daniele, I appreciate, you know, hopefully my my long stories and, and uninterrupted bullshit was entertaining for you guys. Um and if you guys want to hit me up on Facebook, you know, just look up Sean Loeffler, S-E-A-N-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R. Pretty easy to find. Unique last name, Sean the Shore Loeffler. And um, I'm not doing like Instagram or, or Twitter. I have, but I don't do or, or, or like I said, Snapchat. But I'm going to start doing all that stuff through the compound. So it's basically going to be, if you want to get a hold of me, go through my business. You know, it's what puts Cheerios, uh, the real box, not the big bag of honey oats, but in my daughter's mouth. So um, I'm going to just really focus on that. And if somebody wants to come down to the compound. I've got a guest bedroom if they're a fighter and they, and, and I don't just mean like everybody, but if, you, if you're trying to make it and want to, and want to fight pro or have a pro fight or something and need a place to stay for a couple of weeks and a mentor, or you can figure something out, come to a gym. If somebody says, Hey, I want a guy looking out for me. That's been through that. Um, 
you know, and I, I want to be loyal. And he said in five, six years, he can get me in the UFC. He'll put that shit in writing. Come to the compound, check it out, see who's been there and realize that we're the real deal. And then everybody that I'm going to spread this to, um, listen to History on Fire and listen to the Drunken Taoist for Danielli. Um, Cause it's a great, one of the best podcasts in the world, obviously, but um, it's a great show to get involved in. So for my people that listen, support him. Sweet, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. How about that one? I thought that went really well. I appreciate the guys for putting that together. For those of you guys who are not believers in the notion of parting with your hard-earned money to support podcasts, you can still use our Amazon link. That is a very sweet concept that doesn't cost you a dime and you still help us out. So please do that. Click through our link when you go shopping. Shop away, just like you normally do. And a little tiny chunk of that corpus blood, soulless corporate blood money will come our way. I think this is going to be the last time we'll ever have an Amazon link, but it's totally worth it because that was a good one. A little tiny chunk of that hard-working corporate soulless. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's all good. I'm trying. It's fine. It's, it's our last nickel ever. It's totally good. Thank you also to Onnit for sponsoring us since forever. Those guys are awesome. Please check their website and see if there's anything you can get from them. We have promo code Actually, it's not a promo code. You just add a Taoist to uh, onnit.com. So you go to onnit.com forward slash T-A-O-I-S-T. And you get all the goodies with a discount. Also, we thank, of course, Blue Chew for making us happy in more ways than one. We thank also the folks who are making it possible to have four episodes this month. A very, I think it's the first time ever that we get four episodes out in a month. So that is the sweet folks at MyBookie, since it's football gambling season and many people dig that. MyBookie is there to take care of you with promo code Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T. Check them out. Uh, shout out to NeverTapGear.com. Shout out to uh, Snowroast.com for amazing coffee. And, uh, and of course, Grassland Beef, who's feeding us incredibly well and we love them. Anything else that well of course thank you to Daisy House for the music. Anything else we need to mention? Keep it on org keeps roaring on $132,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. Just keep it up everybody. We'll be at a quarter million before you know it and that will be time for a party. So thanks for all of you helping out. Uh give get back loan again. Repeat. Keep Yay. it on org. That's it. Thank you guys. Have a great day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo cazzo, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, it's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs>
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?